I think we're certain that by continuing to focus on an equitable workforce for all, where people of all backgrounds and with all kinds of experiences can rise and, and succeed and have meaningful careers, we'll be better positioned to innovate, to deliver creative solutions for our clients, and really for us to accelerate our position uh, in the marketplace. Simply put, inclusion and, and diversity is good for our people and it's good for our business. Welcome to Business and Inclusion, a podcast by TRIAC. Who's TRIAC? We're the Toronto Region Immigrant Employment Council. What does that mean? We work to champion the skills and talents of newcomers and build immigrant-inclusive workplaces because we believe when immigrants prosper, the region prospers. On the pod, we'll bring you topics that affect the region's employers and its increasingly diverse workforce. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the final episode of our Business of Inclusion second season. My name is Ajoa Boheni, and I'm the CEO of TRIAC. Today, we're going to discuss workplace inclusion, and specifically as it relates to immigrant and newcomer professionals. We'll add in the context of intersectionality, because I think it's important not just to talk about immigrants as a sort of homogeneous whole, rather also recognizing that if you're a newcomer immigrant who is female or racialized, that there may be additional aspects to, to the conversation. I'm joined today by Zara Jadavji, who is the Managing Director, Technology, Health and Public Service Canada, and Managing Director, Inclusion and Diversity Canada. Welcome to the podcast, Zara. Thank you for having me, Joa. Well, it's my pleasure. It's our pleasure, I should say, not just mine. It's Triax's pleasure. It's great to have you on the show. And, and so before we begin, and maybe I said a little bit of context, may I ask you to more fully introduce yourself? Yes, uh, Absolutely. So as my, my title implies, Joe, I wear the two hats at Accenture, first being that I lead Accenture's federal technology practice in Canada. And then the second is that I'm the, the managing director for inclusion and, and diversity in Canada. And really in my IND role, my job is to oversee and keep us focused on our three goals for IND in Canada. The first goal being to foster an exceptionally inclusive culture where people have a strong sense of belonging and can freely demonstrate their unique value and be the, really be their authentic selves and have equal access to opportunities in their day-to-day -day experiences. Our second goal is to build a diverse leadership team that better reflects the diversity of our workforce. And that's something that to this day, we continue to strive towards. And then our third goal is to reach and sustain overall gender balance, so, so 50%, with a minimum of 40% women in leadership positions. Now, you know, in our Canadian uh, IND team, we have a wonderful team. And so as a team, we aim to keep ourselves on track to, to meet these objectives. Being an immigrant to Canada myself, I can really attest firsthand to the fact that this country has afforded me so many great opportunities. And so I can't stress how important topics like this uh, are to me. Fabulous. That, that gives us a really good overview of the goals and the strategy of, at Accenture. And so maybe to set some of the context, as we've talked about the immigrant context, approximately 22% of Canadians are immigrants. Now, when we narrow that down to Ontario, 29% in Ontario are immigrants. Now let's narrow it down even further into the greater Toronto area, which is really the catchment that TRIAC also serves. And we have over, just over 46% of GTA residents who are immigrants. It is a significant 
part of our population that is represented in in organizations such as yourself. And to your point, also, as we we mentioned, there's also the intersectionality of race and, and gender to that story. So when you are a racialized immigrant or you're a female immigrant, sometimes the challenges are greater and the barriers are different or or higher or harder, perhaps, to find commensurate employment and to really advance in your career in an organization. We know that Accenture recently found in a study that you conducted that only 36% of Canadian executives are taking steps to address racism, despite 72% of those executives acknowledging that their employees have been directly affected. How can we encourage more executives to take action on this issue? Yeah, so I think we clearly have a disconnect between workforce sentiment, like what employees are are saying they face, and the steps being taken by Canadian organizations to address racism specifically. And I think for corporations and for executives, the way we're going to get everyone on board as a first step is to make clear that there's a case for diversity, equity, and inclusion, or or DEI. Executives need to treat inclusion and diversity like they would treat any other strategic priority, because we know that having more diversity fuels innovation, leads to better solutions, and and ultimately creates a more equitable workforce. And obviously, we would think that a workforce where there's discrimination and racism isn't one that's going to bring out the best in its employees. So not only that, but executives can't recruit and retain right, a highly skilled, diverse workforce without fostering that inclusive workplace, which absolutely includes tackling racism and discrimination of, of any kind. And now there's lots of other good research as well that shows that diversity brings many advantages to an organization including, you know, increased profitability and and creativity, stronger governance and and better problem solving uh, abilities. An example of research is a Boston uh, consulting group study that found that companies with more diverse management teams have 19% higher revenues due to innovation, right? So, So that number speaks for itself. Another McKinsey report called Delivering Through Diversity found that corporations that embrace gender diversity on their executive teams were more competitive and 21% more likely to experience above average profitability. They also had a 27% likelihood of outperforming their peers on longer term value creation. So the business case, right, seems obvious. Employees with diverse backgrounds bring their own perspectives, their own ideas and experiences in in helping to create organizations that are resilient and effective and which outperform organizations that don't invest in diversity. So I I think that was a a long-winded way to, to, (laughs) to answer your question. But I really do think that the first step is making executives realize the business case, right, for inclusion and and diversity. And I think hopefully that will drive the behavior and process change needed to effectively address racism. That's great for step, absolutely, and, and, and necessary. And when we think RBC senior economist Andrew Agapovich also released a study last fall that talked about the impact on our GDP as it related to immigrants, in particular immigrants as a whole, not just racialized immigrants, but immigrants as a whole. And so there are quantitative numbers. And when we also think about the notion of your stakeholders or your customers, in particular, again, if you're in the GTA, are likely going to be 
diverse. And so you want to represent if you, you know, such as yourself in professional services, you would want to have a, a team that represents the right, your client base that you're sitting across the table from. So moving on, as it relates to the research, what do you think, what are some of the barriers to inclusion that your research and your work that you've discovered that really, I mean, there's the racism that is intentional, but I would suggest to you oftentimes it's unintentional or it's just systemic that we don't even know why those barriers are there, but they are there. So can you describe a little bit more about some of the barriers that you found? Yeah, I think that's a, a, a great question and one that through Accenture's thought leadership, we aim to address on an annual basis through different pieces of thought leadership that we that we put out. So annually, we publish these papers that aim to advance the, the global conversation around workplace equality. And over the years, this series of thought leadership called Getting to Equal looks at uh, uh, issues such as gender equality, and um, the disability inclusion advantage uh, as well are our topics that we've covered. Now our 2020 report called The Hidden Value of Culture Makers found that a significant gap exists between the way leaders and employees view progress toward equality in their organizations and that closing the gap yields substantial benefits for companies and their employees, right? The question that, that you first started with. Now, nearly three quarters of leaders feel that they create empowering environments where people have a sense of belonging, but their employees, mm-hmm. only two-fifths of their employees agreed. So again, the most recent report showed that there's a gap there. This 2020 report then identified a small percentage of leaders that we called culture makers who are more committed to building equal uh, cultures. These leaders recognize the importance of factors like pay transparency, family leave, and the freedom to to be creative in helping employees thrive. And, And it was these culture makers that are much more likely to speak out on a range of workplace issues like gender equality, sexual harassment and discrimination because they hold themselves accountable to to leading organizations that are twice as more likely even to have uh, publicly announced a target to hire and retain more women. Another point from this latest research is that really they found that there were three anchors for creating a, a culture of equality. The first one is, you know, what I, what I kind of mentioned up front was this idea of, of bold leadership, a leadership that truly believe that culture matters and they prioritize it. For example, benchmarking towards a culture of equality uh, by setting and publishing targets, which is a really important step to take. And then also rewarding uh, behaviors, right, that mm. foster that culture. The second anchor was then comprehensive action. So going beyond the data, leaders engaging in dialogue, meaningful dialogue with their employees. It's conducting ongoing, real-time conversations. And then the third part is the empowering environment. So it's encouraging and cultivating the culture culture makers that I spoke of earlier really to thrive. And so if I could speak of an example at Accenture, when I took on the role of IND Managing Director for for Canada, I took that on a year ago. So it hasn't been that long. Uh, That was around the time when we really started talking about race and ethnicity and the importance of having visible leaders that understood the unique challenges and opportunities and experiences 
of the racialized peoples that work for Accenture Canada. And so we formed something called, it's a long title, but it's <laughs> called the Race and Ethnicity Leadership Roundtable, which is made up of leaders from across our organization. And these are our culture makers. All right. So this group for us now informs our Canadian inclusion and diversity strategy by recommending specific targeted actions that hopefully, you know, move us toward uh, building a leadership team that, you know, our, our second goal was to build a leadership team that better reflects the diversity of our workforce. This group is now empowered uh, to do that. So I guess to summarize, you know, I think I firmly believe that a diverse workforce shows a stronger innovation mindset in a more equal workplace culture. And so an equal and welcoming workplace environment really then is key to, to unleashing innovation across the workforce. Interesting. And so I have another question that you've, in in essence, answered to a degree. And that's uh, some of the best practices that you would recommend that support immigrant inclusion, employment and advancement. And I think certainly the notion of the culture maker and identifying those and highlighting what they are doing well and what they're doing right. Oftentimes in organizations, we sometimes focus on the people who are not doing as well, or we would like, you know, we see areas of opportunity for them. And sure, we need to do that. But certainly also highlighting here are the people who are doing certain things really well. And you too can do these things and therefore, right, improve diversity and inclusion and equity in your teams is a great strategy, right? It's sort of more the, the carrot versus the stick approach to building a culture. And so these helping these culture makers also emboldening them and, and empowering them is certainly a, a great practice. Are there other practices that you might want to highlight for us? You know, when you, when you just mentioned, you mentioned carrot and stick. I do think that there is a component also of the stick. And if I might, you know, expand on that, uh, yeah. one of the things yeah, that, that we did uh, recently, again, it's, it's in this, in this last year when I think a lot of us in Canada opened our eyes to systemic racism and, you know, the actions that we need to do as corporations. So, so a couple of the things that we took on were, and again, it started around June and then into, into the fall. And as recently as this past uh, April was, we just held open forums where we opened up to our entire Canadian workforce, a safer place for people to come and talk about their stories. Mm-hmm. And, and we started, frankly, with the killing of, of George Floyd and what our Black population was feeling. And we opened it up. And I can't tell you, Ajoa, how eye-opening it was for everybody who attended those sessions, both the people that got to share their stories and really talked about the weight, right, that racism brings and impacts in their lives, as well as the people that listened and can play then a better ally role. So I, I think providing the spaces for people just to talk about things is a best practice. And then another one that we, as an example, recently implemented is specific training on racism. We've always had training or we've had training on unconscious bias for for many years, excellent training. But, But what we implemented this year, in addition to that, is, again, just bringing racism up front through mandatory training that our entire Canadian workforce has to take. So, so those are two examples of, of perhaps uh, best practices that, that I could uh, speak of. And I congratulate, uh, I won't say you, Zara, because you are a representative of Accenture, but I congratulate Accenture on, on naming it. 
I think in the Canadian context and, you know, the the listeners, as they won't uh, see pictures of the two of us or perhaps on the website, I'm a woman of a certain age, as the French would say, entre le deux âges, which means you don't ask a woman how old she is, right? Between eight and 80. But uh, I am. And I've been, you know, in the corporate sector for quite a while. And so we don't, we never use the word racism, right? I think that is a tremendous shift even in the language that we're using, and yet not all corporations are. So, you know, when I say I congratulate Accenture on on naming it, that's what I mean, because a lot of people still shy away from even using the word, you know, racism. And myself, again, people may not, can't tell via a voice, but I'm a, you know, a Black woman. And, And to your point, to provide that space, myself and my sister and friends who are, again, of a certain age, Right. We've all had experiences from grad school. I mean, I could tell you stories from grad school to the workplace where we didn't we didn't oftentimes challenge. We didn't speak up upon occasion. I have, but not always. And so when now during this last year as well, I think for many uh, black people or racialized people, we've also reflected on how much we've buried all these years, right? And so that's not to mean that we now need to have, right, a long lament session, but it is important, I think, as an employee and as an individual to be given that context, that room, that space, just to, again, say, you know what, this does happen. And let me tell you one or two times, or maybe 10 times or 15 times it happened to me, and this is how it happened. Because I think collectively, we have to learn to work through this, but we can't work through it unless we name it and we we highlight it. You're absolutely right. I think we're very proud to live in a, in a country that values multiculturalism and that values pluralistic society. But that doesn't mean that we minimize or underplay or mm-hmm. talk about some of the issues that we face, right, as Canadians together. Exactly. How has Accenture benefit? I mean, you've talked about innovation and maybe you want to elaborate a little bit more on that and, and, and you may have other success stories and, and tangible examples that you can give us, but how has Accenture benefited from having an inclusive workforce? Yeah, I think on, on that one, you know, you've, you've heard me speak about some of the stuff that we've, we've done at Accenture and I think I can say that I'm really proud that to say that Accenture really has in inclusion and diversity embedded in, in our very core. And our uh, ambition really is to be the most inclusive and diverse company in Canada. We stated that right, as one of our goals. We know uh, at Accenture that diversity makes our company smarter and more I- innovative. You said it before, helps us better serve the needs of our clients and our communities. So it's good for us. As a reference, I think you you had mentioned earlier that 46% of the GTA are immigrants. For Accenture Canada, almost 50% of our workforce across the, the country identifies themselves as a visible minority. So that's a substantial number. And, and I think we've worked really hard to increase our representation of visible minorities, of Indigenous peoples, persons with disabilities, and uh, LGBT. Q2S plus. And in fact, uh, Accenture was one of the first companies in Canada to voluntarily track and disclose annual workforce demographic data. And and in fact, we just released our latest numbers. And those really are our scorecard on on how we're doing and and we're willing to, to be upfront and disclose those numbers. I think we're certain that by continuing to focus on an equitable workforce for all, where people of all backgrounds and with all kinds of experiences can rise and and succeed and have meaningful careers, we'll be better positioned, like I said earlier, to innovate, to deliver creative solutions for our clients 
and really for us to accelerate our position uh, in the marketplace. So, you know, simply put, inclusion and, and diversity is good for our people and it's good for our business. Yeah, and I was just going to raise, you know, the three points that you made were, were sort of externally related, but it's really also really good for internally for when you said for your people, right? People want to work in a place that is diverse, that does value and appreciate the authentic self that they bring to the workplace. And and so that starts to lead us towards the tail end of our, our discussion today, Zara. And you had mentioned one of the goals is the sense of belonging and, and that people do have the opportunity to bring their authentic selves to the workplace. Now, that is certainly the role of middle managers is very important because those are the day-to-day people who, you know, assign tasks and projects and assignments and clients and so on and do the uh, performance reviews. But executives obviously play a key part in this ability as well. If executives don't model or don't show or don't participate, it's hard to create that sense of inclusion. So what, in your opinion, what role do executives play in supporting inclusion? Joe, I think executives play a critical role in supporting inclusion and diversity. The commitment to inclusion and diversity, we all know this, has to start at the top uh, and it has to be embedded as a core value, not just as an initiative or a program. Again, speaking from my experience at Accenture, it's the executives that drive the strategy, which is Mm -hmm. based on everything that we do. And so we really need our executives to be driving the strategy of of inclusion and diversity. And so as an example, one of the things that we've done at uh, at Accenture is we have stood up something called the Canadian Diversity Council, which is made up of of leadership from across our businesses, our business entities, as well as our uh, employee resource groups. And this uh, Canadian Diversity Council is really the, the group that has accountability through their teams to conduct business through an IND lens. So they model uh, the behaviors that we're looking to foster uh, in terms of uh, an IND culture uh, by, by doing things like setting diversity targets within their businesses themselves and then holding themselves uh, accountable. I think that, you know, that's the role of executives. You also spoke about uh, the the role of middle managers as well. And I think that middle managers have a responsibility to ensure that they're setting the example for inclusive leadership as well. At the end of the day, and ultimately it's up to all of us examining our own unconscious biases and always making decisions through an uh, IND lens. Any IND strategy has to be informed by all levels Uh, right, Uh, of an organization. And it just needs, you know, a a lot of listening and a lot of consultation and, you know, a lot of collaboration in in order to to make it um, real. And then, you know, going even beyond that, it's then communicating the strategy consistently. It's reporting on progress transparently. And it's about providing as many opportunities as we can for people to, to learn and, and get involved in, and whether that's through employee resource group, uh, which is one of the ways that we really leverage at Accenture to, to get our people involved and, and feel included in the conversation, or taking part in the anti-racism training I spoke about earlier, or participating in a, in a mentorship program. It's, you know, it's about getting the entire organization embedded in this culture of, uh, of inclusion and diversity. As I said earlier, for all of us to, to understand that IND, it's good for our people, it's good for our business, it's good for our communities, it makes business sense, 
And overall, it's the right thing to do. Right. That's a, a perfect sentence that I should have almost said, and we're out, but <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> that was a perfect ending because I was, I am coming to the point of thanking you so much for your participation. And, you know, once upon a time, uh, maybe not too, too long ago, being head of, or being the executive sponsor of uh, DEI or, or IND would have been seen as a chore, would have been done off the side of somebody's desk, would have been seen as, oh my, I guess it's my turn now on the executive team to be this. But it's very clear, Zara, that your passion for this work is evident. The commitment of your organization, Accenture, to this work is evident. And so we thank you on behalf of Triac for the work that you are doing, because to your point, it's it's good for the community, community writ large. That includes all of the inhabitants across, you know, across Canada and certainly here in the greater Toronto area. So once again, Zara, thank you so much for your time today. And we look forward to our continuing relationship with Accenture. Thank you so much for having me, Joa. I'd like to end by also thanking you, our listeners, for tuning into this episode and this season. Please do remember to like and share this episode with your networks. You can also binge listen to all episodes of this season on our website, triac.ca, B-O-I podcast. Today's episode was produced by Rohit Singh with support from executive producer Helen Davies. Until next time, stay safe, enjoy the summer, and take care. And that was Business of Inclusion. You can tell us what you thought about this episode and what you want to hear from us next on Twitter at Triac, T-R-I-E-C, or on LinkedIn at Toronto Region Immigrant Employment Council. Thanks for listening.